Welcome back to Get Unstuck and On Target. I'm Mike O'Neill. Whether we at Bench Builders are working with supervisors to improve their people skills, or it's me coaching a CEO one-on-one, getting leaders and companies unstuck is at the heart of everything we do. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Each week, we invite incredible guests who share their hard-won experiences of getting themselves or others unstuck, back on target, and moving forward. And I hope it gets you unstuck and on target as well. Joining me is Lynn Finkel. Lynn is the CEO of Prophecy, a master data management company. Lynn's background encompasses a wide range of companies from startups to the largest software companies, developing best practices for penetrating new markets, driving top quartile customer satisfaction, achieving rapid and sustainable top-line revenue growth, and high employee engagement. And it's that two-word term, employee engagement, we'll probably spend most of our time on. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you for having me, Mike. I left out a lot of your bio, but one of the things I guess I would like to start with, and maybe what we'll do is focus kind of on your company, Prophecy. When I say master data management, I had to look that up to make sure what that was. I have another software client, but they do something different. For those who don't know what that means, can you explain what that what your company does for your clients? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. So if you think about what our company does, first of all, we serve uh, enterprise corporations. So we're a business-to-business software application, and we sell this uh, solution as a software as a service. And Master Data Management really does two major things without going into the underlying details. First, it gives corporations much more high-quality data. It does that by fixing errors in the data, getting rid of duplicates or enhancing the data that they have that might be missing certain components. So that's all around giving them better quality data. The second thing that it does is it harmonizes data because as all the business owners and executives and employees know that are listening to this podcast, in today's world of the cloud, data is spread out all over the place. It's in tens, hundreds, even thousands of different applications, even the same customer data. I might be Len Finkel in one system and Leonard Finkel in another. What our software does is it harmonizes the data that's spread out in all these different locations so you can truly get an accurate view of your data. And that is really, really important in today's global environment, in today's environment of remote work, where data is just spread out all over the place. And if corporations are able to move quickly and with great confidence, they need to have confidence in their data. So that's what we help them do. Yeah, as you describe this, and you're talking about the importance of good data, data that has been cleaned up, harmonized is the word. That's a new term for me. I know it makes a big difference for a company, but in in what ways? Having good data, how might that, for those listening, say, well, what's Lynn talking about? Why is that important? Can you help me better understand the business case for using your company. Absolutely. And I'll give you two, two, two examples that are just basic and very clean. One is shipping data. We have customers that had high shipping costs. And when you take a look at some of the underlying reasons, it could be something as simple as that item is being shipped to the wrong location, maybe the wrong location that a customer has, or worse, It's just a wrong address and goes to the wrong place. By making sure that that shipping data is accurate for the order you're trying to place, it can reduce your return costs because of high shipping. It'll improve customer satisfaction because I'll get what I'm supposed to get when I want to get it. 
So just something as simple as having the right shipping address, you'd be amazed at how often someone accidentally enters a wrong shipping address or one of your customers has multiple locations and it accidentally goes to the wrong location. So that would be one example. Another example is in today's world, you'll very often buy things from a company in different ways. If it's a retail, for example, you might go into the hardware store and go up and buy something and check it out at the register. Another example, you might be going online and ordering over their e-commerce website. Perfect example of two different places they're storing the data. You've got your point of sale and you've got your data on your e-commerce website. So if I want to truly understand what Len Finkel has bought from me, I need to be able to match Len in all these different systems to get a holistic view and see, yes, I bought a lawnmower. Yes, I bought a trimmer, but I haven't bought any lawnmower bags for disposing that. Well, by getting a holistic view, I now get a better view of what my customers bought from me and therefore what they might buy more of. So there's another example of harmonizing data from different places. You did a masterful job of explaining something at a level that I think I understood, but I know it's much more complex. And let's shift gears a little bit. You've got approximately how many employees? We got a little under 200. That's a large company by my standard. And when you're trying to attract people to your company, the assumption here is, is they know kind of what they're doing, but what is the most typical position that you're hiring for? Typical is being a, a software company that develops software, sells software, markets software, implements software, supports software. There's so many different positions that we have, you know, quite a few. Our two heaviest areas recently for hiring have been in development and sales. Those have been the two of the areas that are probably the heaviest because we're, we're growing quite substantially. So you need to both be able to make sure you capture market demand that's out there with sales, but you also have to make sure you're keeping up with what the market demands in product development and innovation. So those would be the two heaviest areas. I've spent some time on your website, and I think really tells a story that someone who doesn't know a lot about this, at least that helped me better understand, but you're building a company brand, but to some extent, this conversation we're going to have today is more around the employer brand. You're the CEO of a fast-growing company. You brought to this role experience in a wide variety of organizations. If I might, as you're trying to position Prophecy as an employer, what are the kinds of things that you want the people out there know about y'all as an employer? Yeah. Well, well, first and foremost, we are a people-focused company. And you know, a lot of companies take different views for where they're, what their core is. And by the way, none of them are wrong, necessarily wrong. You'll run into companies that say, we're all about product and, and product is the most important thing. Another one that's very common and should be at the top of the list is customer. We're customer focused. That is our, the customer. We here at Prophecy take a people first approach because we believe if you get the right people, put them in the right positions, treat them right, that's going to affect all the other areas that I just described. There's a great saying out there, I wish I had said it, that your customers will never be happier than your employees. Mm. And that's just a perfect example. If we take care of our employees, put them in the right position, give them the right tools, give them the right you know, focus so everyone understands what everyone's doing, the right purpose, they're going to do great things. You're going to, they're going to treat your customers the best. They're going to implement 
uh, and excuse me, uh, innovate and develop the best software products in the world. All of these other things to us comes out of that it emanates from that core of people because, you know, let's face it, you know, people are at the center of, of everything. So that, that's our philosophy. And that's the first thing I would want them to know. So people first, sometimes you go to websites and you read it, but you kind of wonder, yeah. is that just lip service? It yes. sounds as if it's much more than that within your organization. This term employee engagement and in, in my work, I find people misinterpret that. So maybe as a starting point, how do you define the term employee engagement? Yeah. So the best way I find to to define it, well, first of all, it means that people love working for your company, working with your company, being a part of the company. I mean, to me, that's an engaged employee. I am excited to come into work. That would probably be the best way. There's so many things under there you know, that, that go into making someone excited. But when I think of employee engagement, I think of three things that make an engaged employee. Uh, one is recognition, you know, that you feel value. You feel that you're paid fairly. Things of that, of that nature, that there's recognition there. And it's what I like to call the three R's. The second one is relevance. That I go into work and I understand how what I do every day matters. How does it contribute to what the company is trying to do? That I'm actually relevant to what we're trying to do as a company and our purpose. And third, that they find it a rewarding experience, that they actually enjoy the actual work that they do, that they're able to grow their skills. So those are kind of the three things that are the most important when I think of employee engagement. But I know it's a long answer. I would say if defining engagement would be someone that's excited to come into work. That's actually very consistent of how I would define uh, it. You mentioned the three R's, recognition, relevant, and rewarding. Of those three, from your vantage point as CEO of a large organization, which is most challenging? Which is the most challenging? I'm going to say relevance. It's a, hard, it's a good, hard question. I would say relevance because let's face it, at different points in a company life, there's different things that they're they're focused on. Like now we have a purpose. The purpose never changes. Our purpose is to make master data management easy so customers can realize the value of trusted data. That's our purpose. That remains consistent. But because things change so often that we might be doing something different that is most important to help us with that goal. So how do we make sure that all the employees still understand how what they do every day affects this bigger picture item? And it takes a lot of effort to make sure that everyone understands it, that you're constantly communicating. You know, one example is part of our growth strategy here is working with third parties to help implement our software. Okay, third party, people that refer other enterprises to Prophecy, but would eventually end up implementing our software. So we don't always implement it. Sometimes we use partners. Well, I've got a professional services organization. Their job is to implement our software. So as we're talking about partnerships and how important partners are to expanding our footprint around the globe, the people in consulting are thinking, wow, that's my job. I implement software, but you're telling me that the most important thing today is expanding this partner network. How do I fit in? And by the way, it does fit. I could go into the details of how it fits, but that's just an example of how do I make, how do we as a company make sure that while we're have different priorities, 
that people still realize how what they do affects the company on a regular basis. Think about someone in accounting, right? That is that that's the 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 spine of the organization. They're the ones that make sure that everything bills get paid. We pay our employees. We collect from customers. How do we make sure they understand how important that is when we're talking about all these what I'll call sexier things all the time? Yeah, it didn't really surprise me when there was this long pause when you were trying to contemplate, you know, which of the three is most difficult. But here's what I'm sensing. Tell me if I'm anywhere close. As CEO, you have a big picture understanding. You're probably naturally wired to understand and see connections. What makes clear sense to you might not to someone else. And when you're leading a dynamic organization where those priorities might be shifting, it you said it takes a lot of work and you, and you use the word communication. I find, at least in my work, that when we go and ask the number one complaint typically is that of communication, meaning it's hard. It takes continual, but you just gave a good illustration in which there's not necessarily any role that's more important. They're all important, but if people can see how they are relevant to what we're trying to accomplish, if they feel that they're being recognized for the contributions that they're, they're making and that what they get in return feels rewarding, not just obligatory. That's a magic part of approach. Employee engagement. You've been recognized as a company by those outside organizations that look at that. I want to say it was Gartner. I know that you've been recognized as a, a top place to work in the Atlanta area. And I suspect that that's something that, that you take some pride. There's a lot of software companies in, in the Atlanta area yes. to, to differentiate. Why do you believe that you as a company, got chosen over other companies? What really differentiates you as a company from an employer perspective? Yeah. And by the way, just to uh, say that we actually were the, you're right, there are a lot of software companies. Not only were we in the top of all companies, we were the number one software company in all of Atlanta, in Atlanta, best place to work, a uh, recent survey that just came out. And the reasons why, there are so many things that factor into it. I started off with that you know, we're people focused. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just that that's a very high level statement, but all the things that we do that show that is why we were voted the number one, because there's so many underlying things that contribute up to that because it's been very in vogue to talk about culture and employee engagement and people put it on their website all the time. And you know, we always say here that they aren't just words on a wall. They are words on a wall, by the way, but they're not just words on a wall. All the things that we do on just a, a regular course of business, you mentioned the word communication. It does take a lot of work to communicate constantly, but that's what people, you know, need. You, you don't want it. You don't want to be in the dark. So that communication is, is a huge element. We do things as a course of practice that, that people see that it's real. And I always say to new employees, by the way, I meet with every new employee that we hire. And I, I start off with a conversation about our values and I talk through our values. And by the way, also in that same uh, survey that was just done in Atlanta, we were the number one software company in small, medium business, which is the bulk of them. 
but they have give different awards across all these industries across all size companies. They only gave one award for all of Atlanta for values and prophecy was awarded that award. One award, we got it. But we talked to the employees about values and what it means, what our expectations are, because it helps also, we do it in the interview process, not just when I speak to them afterwards, but we think about the type of people that we want to hire that have these similar beliefs of the importance of people and helping each other and the other values that we have. So you create this environment where you only are attracting the people that have these common values around people and helping each other and constructive candor and growth mindset. So it becomes a filter. So you get the right people on board because we were not we have not been selected as such a great place to work and have top 1% engagement scores because some guy in the corner office. We do it because we've attracted the right people that all believe this. It's not just one of us or 10 people on a leadership team or words on a wall. That's all these people that make this happen, the people that we hire and that we select. But we do things throughout their career to help them. And by the way, you know, it's funny because so many companies, I think, do this, as I mentioned, because they want the marquee, but it's just smart business. Besides it being the right thing to do and the fun thing to do and the fulfilling thing to do to help people, it makes a, such a great business. So let me give you another example. There's so many things because it's consistency of doing these things that make us such a great place to work. It's not one thing. It's many things that we do over and over again. So one of the things we do is after someone's hired, not before, is we have this assessment, it's not ours, it comes from a third party. And what it does is it doesn't necessarily do personality profiles and things like that, behavioral characteristics, which we do before the interview or before the hire. After the hire, we, we, we have this assessment and what it does is it helps the employee crystallize what type of work they like doing best. Okay. And we do it after they're hired because we don't want them to think that we're going to make that part of the hiring criteria. But in any job you have, there are different types of things that happen. It might be coming up with a new process all the way to the, to the middle being recruiting people to help you with the process to the end, which is basically follow-up and tasks, due diligence. There's all these points, but I'm giving you the, the, the beginning, the middle, and the end. By helping the, our employees understand which part of this process they love the best, we then put them in a position to do that more often than something else. Like, look, there's parts of my job I don't love, like paperwork and detail. I don't like that. But I love creating new things. So there's always part of every job that people like more than others. Mm -hmm. Let's help our employees understand what energizes them the most. And then let's give them more of that type of task to do because they're going to be much more energized by it because they love to do it, right? We all are in this, they call it now, they call it in, in not the zone, in the flow where time just flies by because and that happens when you're doing something you love. So if we can help people find what energizes them the most, they're going to love coming into work. And guess what? They're going to produce better work. So we do this thing, by the way, it's called The Working Genius. I'll give them a little ad. It's by um, Pat Lencioni and the Table Group. But it helps them realize what energizes them and what frustrates them. So that's just one example of the type of thing we do that puts employees in the position to do something. I used the word rewarding before. Rewarding doesn't necessarily mean you get paid there. We put that under recognition. Rewarding is I'm fulfilled by it. I like it. I'm energized. So we help them do that. And that's just one example of the type of things we do that, by the way, 
helps us as a company be better, but it also helps the employees be more engaged and energized and enjoy what they do. And that's the key. Lynn, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that this is just the right thing to do, but the studies show a highly engaged workforce pays off in so many different ways. You're going to enjoy higher productivity, higher profitability, higher creativity, higher customer satisfaction scores. The list goes on. At least that's what the Gallup folks would say. Would you concur that that's what you have found in your organization? Oh, yeah, 100%. And we've actually done some, some analysis of our own company of where we were at a certain point in time uh, and how we progressed. And if you look at the employee engagement scores, it, they are exactly in alignment with increased revenue, increased profit, profitability, increased customer uh, satisfaction. All of them go right in line. As our engagement went up, so did these other figures. So there's two categories for ROI on employee engagement. Some of them are just direct and easy to measure. Employee turnover. Mm -hmm. Right. If you've got an, an engaged workforce, people that are excited to come into work, they're much less, less likely to leave. You can put a hard dollar savings or cost on employee turnover. Right. I've got to retrain them. They don't get not nearly as productive for this amount of time. It's easy to put an ROI on that. You also have less people that are sick. OK. Right. You've got lower people being out of out of out of the office because they're mentally healthy. They're all those other good things. So. Their, their rate of sick time is lower. So those are easy, quote unquote, to put, to put metrics on. The other ones are more difficult because we all know there's a lot of factors to increase revenue. There's a lot of factors to customer satisfaction. But if you really just think about it innately, it just makes a lot of sense. And as business executives, sometimes we need to operate off of, I hate to use the term gut, but you know, right, the, the more responsibility you have the bigger decisions you have to make with less data. So this is a perfect example. There's so many factors, but that's why we did some of these studies that we did internally to show employees and to show our new leaders that come in how important employee engagement is, where we did those things where we connected and show the trend over all this time. Well, I know that your top line revenue trend is tracking very, very positively to be able to have corresponding employee engagement scores with that increase, oftentimes that's where the a delta, as you get bigger, the more problems might uh, arise. You know, Lynn, you've had a, a very fascinating career. And if I could invite you to reflect on your experiences where either you or your company or a client got stuck. And when that happened, can you give an example of what it took to get unstuck? Sure. Well, I just briefly mentioned this recent analysis we did that showed the difference between employee engagement. And employee engagement will generally be a leading indicator mm. of how you're going to do. But you know, here at Prophecy, you mentioned our growth rate. And by the way, we're growing by, uh, our recurring revenues are growing about 50% a year. They've been growing that way for a few years, and we are on track again for that this year, maybe even ahead of it. But that wasn't always the case. Well, I don't know if you want to use the term stuck or not, but our growth rate was really closer to single digit and low teens growth rate. Still, you know, not horrible, but not where we wanted it to be. And in technology companies, you're not moving faster, you're falling behind quickly. So we were in that position where we were growing, but not at what we felt we could grow. 
And that's quite frankly where we really started focusing more on the things that you and I are talking about now. When I talk about that graph, that's where it began. That's where that first number is, where we had employee engagement. It wasn't horrible. I've got to go back to look at the studies, but I'll put it in the in the 30s, which is kind of average for technology. And we said, wow, we've got to figure out how to, what, what do we need to do to change this, this, this growth trajectory? And as I mentioned, you know, really after reflection, really it's it's about the people and it's about saying, how do we get everyone focused on board so we can get the best ideas and the best solutions to overcoming some of these challenges we have? Like market awareness was one of our challenges. Great product, great, great value proposition, super reliable, uh, but not enough people knew about it. So that was one of our challenges was market awareness. And you know, we started by focusing on the people and getting together and saying, all right, what do we need to do? Let's get the right brains in the room. And what we all came up with is we needed to figure out how to get more focus, how we could take our resources. If you think about data management, it goes across every company in the world has data. Yes. So we had to decide with our limited resources, not being a huge company. I mean, we're not tiny. At that time, by the way, we were half the size. So we were well, you know, we were probably in the 70s as far as employees go. But what we all decided as a group is how do we get more folk? How do we figure out where we're going to take these resources and it's trying to sell to everybody? Let's get really aware in, in a few specific industries. Let's get well-known in three industries as opposed to being a little known in 20, okay? But it all started with getting the right people in the room, agreeing on what our challenges were, and figuring out what do we need to do to get better. Employee focus was one of the things, agility, communication. These are things that came out as we were trying to figure out what, what we needed to do better. So we figured out we needed to get the people more engaged with what we were trying to do, and we needed to get more focused, and that was just the beginning of it. But today, our, our employee engagement is 95. Goodness. So we are at the you know, very top, top 1% of all companies' employee engagement. And if you look at that graph I mentioned, you'll see 37, 47, 65, 85, now 95. And surprise, surprise, profitability, revenue, customer sat has all gone with it. Our customer sat has doubled as well. Uh, our current uh, score, I don't know if people are familiar with net promoter score, but that is not just customer sat, but it's taking your satisfied customers and subtracting out your customers that are just moderate or unsatisfied. And our current NPS score is 77. That's mm -hmm. one that's top uh, typical in the technology industry is 38. So all of these things came up, but that, that was got us unstuck from being in this company that was somewhat growing to, you know, really rapid growth, we'll call it at this point. Yeah, I was really intrigued when you described employee engagement as a leading indicator. I don't know if that's the commonly held view, and I appreciate you sharing that. I think it kind of punctuates why I really wanted to kind of key in on this particular topic today. Lynn, as you kind of reflect on what we've discussed on the podcast, what do you want to be the takeaways? You know, that, that you know, everyone says... You know, people matter. And you said it before, right? Hey, you know, that's a common statement. But if you really, if you really think about it, how can how can that not be true? Everything when I was thinking about, you know, metrics and you think about 
okay, you've got the things like turnover that I described before as a, as a hard employee engagement metric. And then I thought about that leading indicator aspect. And I thought, well, well, where does employee engagement affect? It's everything that, that, that is touched by people. And what isn't touched by people? Even today with AI being the most popular thing, it's still people creating the language models, you know, creating how to ask the right questions, the interfaces, it, it's all there. So to me, I think that the takeaway I want people to have is that it's not always the sexy, shiny thing that is most important to a company. You know, people love to talk about that. What's this new innovation we're doing? Well, how would you ever come up with that innovation? How would you implement that innovation if you don't have super smart people that are making that happen? So it is, in my mind, clearly a leading indicator because you've got to have that if you want continued sustainable, one person, three people working independently can grow some, but if you want long sustainable growth, the real growth, there really is no other option. This has been a very much enjoyable. I've learned a great deal from you. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your vantage point as a CEO and the passion of what you demonstrated. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, for having me on and let, letting me share some of it. If it just, you know, if anybody just grabs one little nugget out of it that helps them help their employees, then then it was it was well worth the investment. So thank you, Mike, for doing what you do. You bet. Lynn, I also want to thank the listeners for joining us today. For even more insights about getting unstuck and moving your business forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Bottom Line newsletter. You can do that by going to our website, Bench-Builders. You know, I have found that the clients I work with, they usually had one of two problems. Either they were frustrated because they were losing the employees that they wanted to keep, or their leaders, they found themselves stuck in the weeds of the day-to-day and they were failing to execute on their long-term strategy. And so if high turnover or poor execution is slowing your growth, unlike prophecy, let's talk. Let me invite you to head over to bench-builders.com to schedule a call. So I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope you have picked up on some quick wins from Lynn that will help you get unstuck and on target.